And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod episode 162 is here. I am one of the three bad brothers that you know so well. Damone Carter, AKA Dem One. I am joined as I always am by the mercurial Nate LeBlanc. How's it going, man? Uh, going pretty good. Thanks, Damone. Um, you know, spring has sprung. It's spring again. We both made Bismarcky spring again tweets. Yours got more <laughs> likes than mine. I don't appreciate it, America. <laughs> But I'm good. I'm good. What's up with you? Uh, living the dream for the record. Uh, I believe that was a rare Dave Ma tweet that outperformed oh. you. I, I, yeah, because I didn't tweet that. Well, that explains I, why it did so well. Yeah. <laughs> Dave uh, chimes in on our Twitter like once a quarter, but it's always a smash. Uh, <laughs> and that is very on par for Mr. David Ma. How's it going, man? Yo, um, good to be here with you guys. You guys are my favorite plugs that I've met. So. Oh! <laughs> Hair plugs. Well played. Uh. Hair plugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like I butchered that joke. Oh! Dave's on fire out the gate today. Uh, <laughs> just a little taste of what you're going to get on this episode as we sit here to record in Zoom on a Monday. We are... Uh, basking in the afterglow of a new release friday um which was kind of cool had had some cool releases on there that we'll talk slash argue about um but yeah i i'll throw this out to the group first um new releases didn't used to be friday correct record store man tuesday for many years okay it was it was tuesday for many years now it's friday which really means thursday night on the west coast which i I really Not appreciate young people, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, for those of us who can stay up past nine. Um, stay up till midnight for the Arm and Hammer. Okay, but you won't have to. It'll come out at nine. Mine doesn't work like that. It never really. Has. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. If someone savvy can DM me and tell me how to change my time zone on my phone or something so I can get the new releases, that would be amazing. Is that right? Yeah, I'm just gonna be incredible. like. I'm just going to text you like listening to this new Arm & Hammer, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, very much looking forward to uh, to next Friday's release. But there were some really uh, interesting releases this past Friday that we're going to talk about for a little bit. Um, and let's start with the, you know, the album of the moment. When LeBron tweets about an album, you know it's an event. Uh, <laughs> this is, of course, the plugs I met too. Um, Benny the Butcher sequel to his uh, original um, Plugs I Met project, this being a collaboration with uh, Harry Fraud, producer, who I don't know a lot about, but uh, me gusta la musica de Harry Fraud, <laughs> um, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting coming off a of Burden of Proof, which was, I will say, low-key polarizing album. Uh, a lot of hardcore Benny fans did not appreciate it. Some folks liked it. Nate, I was interested to get your thoughts on the plugs I met too, because you were one of the, uh, I'll call it a minority that was defending Burden of Proof. 
And you're you're a little sour patch kid on this uh, on this release. Say more. A little bit. Um, I believe I started this discourse uh, by tweeting into our group chat, Benny the Boring, uh, <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> two songs in, and it wasn't grabbing me. And I didn't mean to kick off discourse. You know, far be it from me to participate in discourse, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, I, it just didn't grab me. Um, I love Benny's writing. I think Benny is a extremely vivid writer. And he still said some things that I thought were really great on here. Like in the first song, I think, or maybe the second song, he says like breadcrumbs to hedge funds. And it's like, that's <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing I'm, I'm looking for here. Like that's a, that's a great turn of phrase, well delivered. And I don't know, it just it's just kind of not grabbing me. And especially, I never know what people mean by it's a sequel because the first plugs I met didn't have a single producer attached, certainly not this right. one. And it has a similar cover and he kind of always talks about meeting plugs. That's a big part of his, uh, his general deal. So I, I don't know, maybe I'm holding it in the wrong regard. Maybe I was distracted while I was trying to listen to it, but I, I, was, I went back and listened to it again today and I just, I, I just think it's okay. And okay is fine. That's nope. A lot of people's stuff is not as good as okay, but, I had really, really high hopes for what this might be, and they they weren't met. So I, I just kind of I don't know. It's not grabbing me. Yeah, the plugs didn't meet for you. It's it's <laughs> fine. Uh, David David Ma, you had a chance to listen this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the new Benny project? Yeah, well, you know, I um, Benny's my favorite from Griselda. I think he's the best writer. Uh, to Nate's point, um, there were some great lines in here, but. You know, there's a song called Survivor's Remorse, and I, I have a little bit of a listener's remorse. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, li I like Harry Fraud. I like some of the stuff that he's done with Action Bronson, and I, and I sort of like how he layers his melodies. He always has, like, a cool vocal sample. But I think the, I think the Benny, you know, just sort of the Benny skis is just a little bit played out at the moment. In the, mm. in the same way that I kind of, you know, wasn't dying to check out Conway's new album, even though, you know, on paper, it looks good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, th there are songs on here where he's like saying, he, there's a song where he says, cash is the strongest, something, something lasts the longest. The name right. of the song is Longevity. It's like, we right. get it, we get it. <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, no, so no diss yeah. to him. Um, yeah. Look, for me, when, when we're talking about Benny, it's all about Plugs I Met One, Tana Talk Three, and um, stabbed and shot with uh, 38 Special. So that's sort of the Benny era that I feel myself gravitating towards. Uh, maybe, mm. I will, you know, revisit this and, you know, some stuff will emerge, but uh, no. this and Burden of Proof, I mean, I think this is even worse than Burden of Proof. And that's not to say that Benny doesn't have thoughtful moments, but certainly it's just not grabbing me at all. And also there's a, there's a rapper on there named Chinks. It's like, what the fuck, what the fuck's going on? Him. Who's I? So I guess pa is is passed away. I didn't. I don't he, understand. He, he yeah. worked very closely with Harry Fraud throughout his career. So I think oh, okay. that, uh, Harry Fraud had some uh, uh, verses in the stash. Okay, that's um, what that, that was, was. That was part of okay was part of that vibe. But I will say, in this moment where we're you know actively combating um, Asian American Pacific Islander, uh, hate, it's just like, not a cool, not, guy. not, not well timed. I did. <laughs> totally, yeah, it did. Totally. I think it him, raised my eyebrow. I was like, what and, is uh, this? Yeah. And Chino XL and Planet Asia, uh, you guys got to call me. 
Uh, I don't know what's going on here. I'll, I'll, if he's I'll playing start. in Asia, I'm playing in Africa. You know, what I'm <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Oh man, thank thank you, brother Dave Africa, for that uh, for that uh, analysis there. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and and I'll get to our. It was our question of the week as well, which we'll we'll cover towards the end of the podcast, where folks on our Twitter timeline. Uh, chimed in about it but now i feel like the the kid and the uh de la soul uh de la soul is dead skit i kind of liked it (laughs) (laughs) i did not call me i i i I bet if this came out maybe before tana talk or something it would have been received a a little bit differently because i think listeners were probably more eager then but, sure. you know, I mean, you know, Benny's like a wise man who has like brilliance in between lines about Pyrex and yeah. which, is, which is dope. But, you know, I'm just I, I wasn't dying for that uh, this week. And maybe, like I said, I'll go back and revisit it. Um, what, what did you think? Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I think I come to this as the I like Benny. I don't love him as much as y'all's do, but I definitely like him. And I feel like. Um, I appreciated the link up with Harry Fraud. Um, I like Harry Fraud stuff with currency and this project definitely has a feel of one of those uh, Harry Fraud currency projects. Um, What Harry Fraud does that I really like is he does the sample choppy thing, but then um, there's some trap elements there too. And my biggest kind of pet peeve with Griselda projects a lot of times is if you're in the car Sometimes you just don't want to hear a wailing 60s soul sample with no drums. Like it's not, it doesn't in Bay Area parlance, it does not slap. There's no, a lot of times there isn't um, uh, enough percussive elements there for, for my liking. So I appreciated it. And I think that that's Benny's general direction. He's going, uh, my, in my click, there's the super artsy uh, West Side Gun type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the lyrical hardhead stuff I would call, which is what you're going to get with the Conway. Um, and he's like, I'm the dude who makes, uh, jams for people who don't say lyrical. Like he, he's like, I want beats that'll, that'll bang on the block that have this kind of resonance, like a classic, you know, Rockefeller type of sound, whatever. So on, on that level, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I just, I think I probably come with a bit of lower expectations and I'll pose this to uh, you, Nate, first. Have we hit uh, Griselda fatigue? We, we talked about this with West Side Gun's last project. Um, is, is their model putting out so much stuff back to back? Um, are you worn as a listener? Perhaps. Uh, two, two things first. Uh, one, our cars are very different. Like, that's all I want to listen to ever. <laughs> like, like, I'm listening to these young Morpheus records that are just like slick talk over wailing soul samples with very few percussive elements, and I think it sounds amazing, but I hear you. Uh, but that's kind of a separate topic. I, I think instead of framing it around Griselda fatigue, I'll frame it this way, because if you listen to what each of the three of us said, Benny has reached a point in his career where you're dealing with expectation level. And that happens yeah. with everyone as they level yep. up through the industry, right? It's like, you yep. can't really. And another thing I want to point out, and we did this like from our very first time discussing Griselda at the beginning of our second year is their shit is not for us nerds. Like they don't care what we think. It's not really about what we think. Like I think they, their audience is totally different. Like who they intend 
the listener to be is not kind of where they were in that sweet spot where they were like underground champs and mm. now they're now they're reaching another level like benny did the theme song for the um buffalo bills like e40 did mm-hmm. the song for mm-hmm. the niners but it took e40 right. like 35 years to get to that point and it took right. benny like 3.5 years to get to that right point, right like also buffalo is terrible so there's more room <laughs> there but continue <laughs> I think they were pretty good this year, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, I think um, it's it, if it's about what you bring into it, then maybe it's not Griselda fatigue. It's like, this doesn't sound how I wanted it to. Interesting. Interesting. It's that listener disappointment. I'm glad you brought that up, Nate, because I think uh, every rapper struggles with that um, in the sense that Benny cannot make you feel the way you did you know, the first time, the first time I heard Gods Don't Bleed, right? It's like, you can't remake the first time, but Dave, uh, you've actually talked to Benny. Um, do you, do you think his, his approach in, in particular, because I, I think this is the third, like, legit project right. in the last 18 months, if you can't count the Black Soprano family um, offering is is it is it too much is it just it are our expectations fucked up because we just we don't have time to miss Benny yeah you know I think there there's some truth to that um I spoke to Benny right around the time Tana Talk came out and I think that was for okay player and you know um even at that point he had already been around but it felt like he was just out the gate swinging you know um but with this, um, I kind of, you know, I do think there's a little bit of Griselda fatigue and I liken it to sort of the Rock Marcy fatigue, I think with Mount mm-hmm. Marcy. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it's gonna be thoughtful. You, you kind of know what to expect, but knowing what to expect and get mm-hmm. all the time is a little, gets boring. So it's more like, yes, I do think there's a Gr- Griselda fatigue, but I kind of blame myself for it. for 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 delving into it uh so hard right yeah i think um the uh the writer max b uh came on to our program and just eviscerated uh (laughs) burden of proof (laughs) uh which was a, a really fun episode shout out to max b and um my my only retort to it and i did think burden of proof was just okay uh my only retort to it was that um Benny in the style of, of Jay-Z, the music is a product. And he's like, I'm hot now while I'm, while I'm in this position, I am going to get off as much product as I can. He's true to his hustler roots more than I would even say a, a musical direction, which he talks about a little bit on the album of like, oh, you motherfuckers want me to rap like this? Like, no, nah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm doing me. Uh, he's definitely got a plan. Um, and maybe for those uh, who were not uh, tuned into the, the Tana Talk series or some of his earlier stuff, um, you know, maybe maybe the plugs I met too really strikes a chord with them. So we, we shall see uh, how that plays out. Like I said, I'm going to share some tweets from uh, some of our uh, Twitter timeline homies later in the episode. But that was not the only record that came out on Friday night. Um, I'll call her a friend of the program. Friend of the program. She has a mug, right? She she rides with the gang. <laughs> uh, friend of the program, Nappy Nina, had a new release. Uh, Nate is called Double Down that came out on Friday, correct? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a, a really strong project. I really liked it. Um, 
I, I will DM with Nina a little bit. She sent us the project early, which was super cool of her. Um, so we got to form our thoughts before the onslaught of uh, things on Friday. And I, I sent her back like some of, some of my initial thoughts, like some of the rapping's really strong. I really like her over this style of beats. I just, I, I can tell I'll be listening to this a lot. It's um, it just mm, interesting. totally working for me. Interesting. It's beat scene, Nate. This is a very interesting. I was listening to it. I'm like, I wonder if Nate fucks with this. But after like uh, a month of Hudson Mohawk, then you're uh, you're ready to go there. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it too. It's kind of a departure for Nappy Nina. Um, the J Words production definitely leans heavily electronic, and reminds me in in all the best ways of uh, the Small Bills project. In terms of this, like really forward-thinking um, electronic production and uh, some experimental flows, Dave, I, I know you had a chance to listen to it as well. What were what were your thoughts on Double Down? Um, pretty much similar to you guys. I I think um, track three or four. I think it really picks up. And um, shout out to J Words. I think um, I really like that sample palette for Nina, who has sort of a whispery delivery on mm -hmm. it. But I think um, the content's great. Um, shout out to them, um, Bay Area natives. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about. Jay. I think Jay Words is a Philly. Okay. Is a, okay. Is a okay. Philly. We 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 may find out soon enough. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, Nina, shout out to her. She's from Oakland, but I believe she's in Brooklyn at the moment. Brooklyn, no. So right. yeah, man, it's a great project. It's a strong project. Um, I'm hoping to cop the wax as soon as it's available. And um, shout out to them. I think um, both of them sort of merge together very well. So um, yeah, I was stoked on that project for sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think, don't quote me, although we're being recorded, so you can quote me. I believe it's all women too. Um, I do not think there's, even all the features are women. Um, so I, I really dug that aspect of it. J-Words is, is, uh, is a female. Um, and so, yeah, it, it kind of like, it get, it's another look that I, think we haven't seen yet um there are a couple archetypes for women in this genre like literally two right. um and uh nappy nita kind of comes through and, and kicks down the door on on a lot of that so definitely appreciated it on that level is there any other those are the two that i i got to uh this this uh friday of this weekend any other notable releases that we want to let folks know about nate yeah, I listened to this uh, new record that came out on Friday, just this afternoon, actually. It was um, Coda the Friend and Static Selecta. Mm. Uh, we had Static Selecta on earlier this year, I think in January. Yeah. Mentioned this among the like highlights of like 15 albums he was working on with all legends. Um, so I, I did give it a listen. I enjoyed it. I thought, um, you know, Static stuff is kind of like uh, Timberland boot-ish. And this was like... Okay. Air Max ish, like it, it was. Just, oh. uh, it was, <laughs> okay. it was a lighter, breezier sound. Before you hopped on today, Demona, I was trying to describe it to Dave, and I was like, kind of like, I could see these songs would not be out of place on the TV show Insecure's uh, soundtrack. Oh, okay. Like, you know, like uh, that's a kind of a. I think of that as like a. It's kind of young. Music. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. I think called it palm yeah. tree music. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. it's just like hangout okay. music, palm tree okay. music, barbecue, blood smoking music. I, I wouldn't go so far as barbecue that I okay. think that is a kind of a different thing. Like we were talking about people under the stairs as barbecue music. As barbecue. It doesn't okay. have that like soulful oldies kind of thing. Like, uh, like, uh, that choosy 
record mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. Exile did. That's that's barbecue music. This is okay. palm tree music. Okay. I don't know how to describe why it's different, <laughs> but it is. Uh, so anyway, these are made up micro genres in my own brain. But anyway, worth a listen if you guys are looking yeah, for okay. the new. Um, I know Coda has been around for a while. Obviously, Static, um, you know, huge in the DJing and um, production games, and you know, rightfully. Um, he's everywhere like he's he was yeah. on the radio in Santa Cruz as we discussed but um, yeah, yeah I, th- I thought that was a cool record a good record and a, it's nice that the weather's kind of warming up we need to put ourselves in a different headspace right totally yeah totally. man the the post pandemic slappers are going to be a uh, be a big thing this summer looking forward to it um, speaking of looking forward there is a huge mungus record coming out. Uh, we sit here and record this on a Monday. You'll probably hear it on a Thursday if you're a true fan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but on Friday, uh, March 26th, we get the Arm & Hammer Alchemist uh, collaboration, Haram. Nate, on a scale of zero to pee in your pants, how, how excited are you for this record? I'm going to get two suckling pigs, cut their heads off, <laughs> make a tableau, do an Instagram story. I, I couldn't be more excited. I, I peed yeah. my pants about the announcement. What am I supposed to yeah. do to top that? Um, right. Yeah, I mean, this should be like a national holiday in our world. Like, <laughs> everything stops because Arm & Hammer is putting out a new record. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to overhype it, but it's uh, I cannot wait to hear this record. I, I must know what this sounds like. Totally. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the question, Dave. It, is it possible to overhype this record at this point? I, I don't think so. This is like a boiling point, and and it could be a bit of a watershed moment. I mean, we're talking about like artsy underground um, duo uh, Arm and Hammer meets now Emmy or a Grammy nominated producer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Alchemist, mm-hmm. who's who's been bubbling for years. I mean, even with so much work in the field, it, I feel like it's finally starting to get recognized. So. Yeah, I mean, on paper, this is ballistics, man. I can't fucking yeah. Wait. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really one of those things where, um, as a fan of boxing, we watch boxers' whole careers go by and they never fight the people that we want them right. to fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, there's never we yeah. go whole, you know, or they do it when they're like 45 years old. This is like a mega a mega bout. I think of it in those terms of right. like the right. the two uh, kind of preeminent um producer rapper collab clash of the titans type of thing um so i'm i'm definitely super excited for it i know that uh, a lot of folks who listen to the podcast are super excited about it i'm gonna go out on a limb and say next week's question of the week will be uh what do you think about this new arvin hammer uh so everybody uh, make some appointment listening i'll be on vacation so i'm i'm excited just to um subject my girlfriend to uh to billy woods and, and <laughs> we're gonna run it one time we're gonna run it one good time i'm like i'm sorry we'll we'll put on selena after that but we're we're listening to some marvin hammer um, yeah cover work cover art <laughs> cover artists. <laughs> oh so good so good so we'll we shall see i guess uh, as we just talked about with expectations with benny's record perhaps uh we we should not uh, build ourselves up like this, but right, I will. Right. I, I will say this: it's fun to get excited about a record. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And this isn't like you know, this isn't like Daylaw getting produced by Pete Rock or or Premier in twenty twenty one. 
This is right. like right. To, to, to your boxing analogy, this is the main event. And these yeah. are two dudes or, you know, two camps that are on the rise. So this is very, very exciting. Absolutely. It's uh, it's Mayweather Pacquiao five years earlier. Um, <laughs> that never happened. I don't know how I got to take this to boxing. That's all I, I've, I mean, I've been it's watching. It's a funny analogy because I'm like, are are in this analogy are are they, they fighting fighting each other or is there some kind of like doubles boxing I don't know about? Like, <laughs> how's this kind of you know, okay to be the tallest guy in the world? So if this is a big disadvantage for him in this oh. fight, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, since we're on that topic, uh, I saw, I didn't see, but I saw that um, the the mythical battle between Ghost and Ray, speaking of people that should not be uh, pitted against each other. Right, that's, um, that's a good segue. It's like, are they really yeah. versus each other or are they just yeah. you know, like both yelling their songs at each other? That's for our pretty benefit? much what it was. That's pretty much what it was. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're always built up to be this so-and-so versus so-and-so, but really it's just a celebration of their catalogs and sort of a, a, a type of entertainment that emerged due to COVID. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's good to see them um, barely able to rap along to their songs, but, <laughs> but it's just a testament to how fucking crazy the, the linguistics were. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Go when, Go when Ghost did um, cuts off a of Supreme clientele, you, you can tell he was just like grasping onto every other fifth word. You know, yeah, how, yeah. he doesn't even fucking know what he did. You know, yeah, it was it was that it was that uh, crazy bananas, and I, I I'm glad uh, you know they they were able to have that moment and be celebrated. Versus is kind of wild and all over the place because the next one is the Isley Brothers versus Earth, Wind, and Fire. I like, know. I know. It's just, it's it's a crazy. It's like it's your aunties. It's it's for you. <laughs> it's for you know. <laughs> depending on the matchup um so yeah that I, I didn't i didn't watch it i did see some clips of it but i i love the the reverence that everyone has for ghost and ray i think it was a great uh moment for people to kind of express their um their their adoration uh nate we'll, we'll we're gonna round off this segment very shortly but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a very uh closed question is Raekwon underrated? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, oof. No, Raekwon is properly rated. Is rated. Because okay. he has, his catalog is spotty. Okay, okay. Out, outside of the OB4CL or whatever series, yeah. there, there's some clunkers, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to think with the talent level that insane, with a fashion sense that insane, with the launching pad of Wu Tang and having like some like spotlight shown on him. Like I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. Was like when I was in junior high, I would have listened to anything he did, and he, he kind of lost me at a mobilarity. You know what I mean? I'm like, about to say, and then a mobilarity happened. Had, had us Which... all in, his, in the palm of his hand. So yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he is a he is a goddamn legend. And yeah. he has written and performed some of the greatest raps that anyone ever has. But uh, a and Ring or project executive producing or whatever just has not been yeah. his strong suit. And that's it's eventually what defines your legacy. Yeah, it, at least at least to uh, to to folks like us. Uh, but I, I just thought it was an interesting question because I it is seen a lot of a lot of re a lot of reverence. Um, and it did make me want to go back and um 
run run the uh, the Cuban Link sequel sequel back. I've I've heard plenty of people I respect really uh, put that record in high regard. Um, so it it was a rappy ass weekend. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope everybody's well. I hope we're on well on our way to getting our first and second doses of the vaccine. Uh, you know, so we can go ahead and, and get on with real life. Uh, and we will get on with this podcast. Stay tuned for more flavor right here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod. We're back. And if you enjoyed this podcast and why wouldn't you, I mean, we're, we're amazing. You will also enjoy our stereo sessions. Now, what is the stereo session? We are doing a special promotion with a new app called stereo that allows you to have conversations with people around the world and listen in on conversations with people around the world. We dad bod rap pod have a stereo session that we do every Monday night at 7.30 PST. I know that's tough for the East Coasters. That means your time minus three hours. And we talk about a lot of the same things we talk about on the show, but sometimes give a little background on uh, what went into recent episodes. Last week, Nate and Dave had a great chat about uh, why you should not start a podcast. No, uh, about <laughs> podcasting. Um, Dave, wh what do you think is the best part of, of the stereo experience? I think the best part of the stereo experience is that it sort of um, is conducive to kind of being a live podcast platform. So, mm. I mean, uh, you know, our recent experiences, you know, we, I think in total we'll have like 40 people, but that's 40 people in and out like over 30 seconds, you know what I mean? Sure. 30 seconds at a time. So I think, I think once you build, you know, a sort of engaged audience and you can, um, you know, lead a discussion with like 50 people in the room, I think it will feel more fruitful. Um, I yeah. think the yeah. stereo app itself, the setup was weird, but one, once you get that going, um, it's pretty smooth sailing. So um, I do think there are um, some positives to uh, take away from the stereo app. Absolutely. So we, we encourage you to download it um, and you can chat with with us. There's a function that allows you to listen to us talk live and also send in little audio clips. Nate, last week, somebody was rapping, sent y'all a clip rapping. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. I, I enjoyed it in the moment because it was a switch up from just Dave and I talking, which like, I don't know, I probably have talked about this in the show. Dave and I talk all day. Like we're, we're <laughs> having three separate conversations on three separate apps. We don't cross the streams. Sometimes we talk in real life. So I, I can talk to Dave all day and often do. Uh, but then, yeah, Dave it, like, uh, was moderating the clips and stuff. And some dude started rapping and he included our names, <laughs> yeah. which is very hey, flattering, LeBron, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. LeBlanc uh, over a, you want to hear LeBlanc over a trap beat anytime. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm here for it. Like David um, Ma, don't wave that saw. No, I don't know. What saying, <laughs> he was like, uh, so I, I was just like, after a while, it wasn't about us. Like just the first couple lines were about us, and Dave kind of turned him off. And it was like we weren't being wrapped to; we were being wrapped at. at. Which yeah. like, hasn't happened to me in over a year because I haven't left my house, and my wife doesn't rap. So uh, basically, <laughs> the that thing of like uh, we've talked about this before, like mixtape selling dudes, or like yeah, 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 that shows will just come up and start rapping, or like drunk people at bars, yeah, uh, will just come up and start rapping to you, and it's like one of the worst things that can happen and like and so it hadn't happened to me in a long time and i was kind of enjoying it and i was like oh this is like a little silly so totally, yeah, totally. that was funny and i was looking at the the cursor and it's like dude there's like way too long of this left dude we gotta go we gotta go so send us your your verses we will we will critique your verses in real time uh on the, on the stereo app you know what dave as we go into this tonight I don't know. Maybe that that might be an approach. We we might regret it too, but we should uh, solicit. <laughs> if you want to come on stereo and send us an audio clip, we will listen to at least fifteen seconds of you rapping, um, and and give you and give you an honest tr- critique through our avatars. So stereo, download it. Join us Mondays at seven thirty for Fly Conversation. And speaking of Fly Conversation. Man. My goodness, this next Man. interview that we have is one of our best. I We don't talk about this a lot, but if there were a DBRP top 10, mm. I think this is top 10. We, we Now, I haven't parsed it out, but it just in terms of right. uh, its, it's uh, listenability, animation, storytelling, like, you know, uh, all the things, all the things. We we were very much blessed to be able to talk to nine. Nate, did you expect what we got out of that interview? Not at all. Um, we we've interviewed some people that we really really respect and we love their music, but they're from a different era, right? right. And sometimes it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Sometimes people are bitter. And it's been kind of a theme of the, the older, the, the more seasoned gentlemen tend to come in with some feelings about some stuff. But and this, is, this was a slightly different thing where it's more about like just being completely out of fucks right. and not yeah. giving them to anyone. And it just really high energy, really mm-hmm. fun, great story. Anyway, the, where you guys haven't heard it yet. We should let you hear it and like come back and talk about it after. But like, I, I did not expect this from this interview and I really, really enjoyed talking to Nine. I thought it was it was awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, just, you know, it was. It's good to talk to somebody who's like far removed from the industry too. So to your point, zero fucks. And and that yeah. doesn't mean, you know. And that's not saying that he was unhinged to where like it didn't make sense and it was a weird interview. He was just very, very high energy, dude. Very high energy. Very outspoken. Yeah, man. Um, just. You can tell him. You can tell he was just looking back for every story that he could tell, and it sounded like he did. Um, it was great to get his time, man. Um, definitely one of the most um, recognizable voices in hip hop. Probably one of the most copied as well. As uh, you'll hear, yeah. As he as he will uh, he will inform you of all the folks <laughs> and who just copied kind of his shit. Uh, sunglasses on inside, holding yes. the phone. <laughs> kind of stomping around the studio just a picture right. that while you're listening it's it was so totally. awesome it's hard for me yeah. to like demonstrate weed later it was yeah. just yeah 
Yeah, all, all around good times with uh, South Bronx General N I N E right here on Dad Bod Rap Pod. Right, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Every week we bring you interviews with artists who are moving and shaping the culture. Today is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have Mr. N I N E Nine. What's happening, man? How you doing? What's good? I'm good. And if they ask how I moved and shaped the culture, just tell them that DMX, Exhibit, <laughs> and Ja Rule all owe me Father's Day card. <laughs> I've yet to receive a Father's Day card for any of these dudes. And I'm Damn. like, cool. no, nah, I'm just playing. I love all those artists. I'm just joking, man. I just like to fuck around. I'm just playing. But I mean, I just wanted to get that shit out the way. Because every time I talk mm-hmm. or I do something, people bring that up. And it's like, I just want people to know I'm an X fan. I, I yeah. liked it. Yeah. I, I like all that stuff. I did create it. I did do something okay. that made, you know, he had the same octave level. He realized that he could achieve that same octave level because if you listen to his earlier material, he didn't sound like that. Mm. Mm. He freestyled mm. off NEMC on YouTube. You can go look it up, DMX freestyling on NEMC. So he heard me and he oh, said wow. to himself, I could achieve the same octave vocals. I don't have to talk like this all the time. When I yell, when I get loud, it comes out. You know what I mean? And I feel like he found out that he could do that same level, just like Action Bronson figured out he could reach the same tones. I love Action. He's dope. He's dope. Don't let me, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying this is hip hop. You know, there was Slick Rick, there was Dana Dan. I just want to get all this out the way. Hey. Start talking so we don't bring that shit up because that's a nightmare for me. Every time it's a DMX question, it's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> Like, I don't care nothing about that. He did what he did. I'm a fan. It's all good. There's, you know, what, but I am, I am the king of this sound. I did introduce this sound to the world. I did make it feasible. I did make record companies believe that you could make money with a guy who sounds like this. Yeah. So that, that's the only respect I want that, that, you know, I proved that you can sound this far left and be this different and, and achieve something. And I think a lot of dudes, they adapted that and they used it and I don't get the respect for it. And that's the only problem I have. Okay. I, that, that's it. Okay. All credit, right. so credit, credits where it's due. That's what's up, man. I, I'm, I'm glad you, you clarified that off top. Yeah, yeah. W- wanted, wanted to ask though a little bit going like back before you, you became nine, um, you've been rapping for a while. Even by the time uh, what you want, you know, blew up. Uh, that was you had been in the game ten, 10 years after you had came in the game. So can you and can you talk a little bit about like how you definitely. originally started making making records in the mid eighties? Definitely, I was. Um, see, I, I, I was I was born in sixty nine, so I was here before hip hop. 
And a lot of people can't say they was here before hip hop. You know what I mean? Like there was no hip hop. When I was 11 years old in Webster Projects in the South Bronx, where I grew up at, where I, where, where I was born, all of a sudden, guys was in the park with their turntables and their records and the yes, yes, y'all, 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 y'all. Like I seen all of that as a little kid. Like I saw when it started. So, you know, for me, it was just something that we used to just do. Like if you wanted to be cool, you would rap, but I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with the whole culture, the whole thing. So it was around 1983, 84, I met Andre Harrell. I, I had a crazy pen game all my life. Even when I was in a, in school as a kid, I used to write poems. I used to win awards and shit. Like, I was good with the pens. So I used to write. So when I met Andre Harrell through um, my, my DJ Galaxy, who ended up being their DJ, and, you know, he started saying, okay, I want to manage you. So I wrote a couple things for their first album, just lines here and there and stuff. So that, I was only 14 years old then. And I was writing for dudes like this, you know, like, you know, putting rhymes together for guys like that. And I was like, wow. You know, then I met Chuck Chilla when I was 15. One of my my uh, members of the rap group that I was with called Ultimate Four, he lived next door to Chuck Chilla. So, I mean, he wasn't Chuck Chilla then. He was DJ Steel. That was the name that 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 was Chuck Chillout's original name, DJ Steele. He didn't want nothing to do with hip hop. He used to walk by this little garage and he used to see us in there, you know, yes, yes, y'all, we we the best, y'all, y'all. He used to be like, yo, y'all niggas just whack, man. Cut it out, man. It ain't gonna happen. You know, he used to fuck with us all the time. And then one day he was he stopped and he listened to us. And he was like, you know, you guys are, you know, you're getting better, you know what I mean? So it was always somebody that was really doing something to make me keep going. Because like I said, I was a kid. We had no idea what hip hop was going to be, where it was going to go. We just did it because we loved it. So, so Nine, you know, um, we have a lot of history to, to cover, but I just want to get, you know, uh, focus on this like right from the jump, which is uh, you mentioned any MC, but Arguably, the biggest single is "What You Want." Um, can right. we talk? Yeah, can you talk a little bit about what you remember about making that song? What your mind state was like, the beat, right. the time, all that. Um, let the fans know. All right, so I'm gonna give you all the real uncut rule. Me and Funk Flex was shopping a demo. We were working together because we were in a group called Deuces Wild, and one of the members he decided he didn't want to do it no more. So me and Flex decided we was gonna do it ourselves. And we, you know, we had a producer, Rob Lewis, the guy who did what you want. So me and him were making songs. And then me and Flex started drifting apart. We did Six Million Ways to Die. And I saw things wasn't really like we didn't really like the same type of hip hop. Like he was, you know, he was on the radio now. So he was seeing things a little different. And I was very hardcore and I just wanted to do the hardcore shit. So what you want was actually an accident. Because I, 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 you know, a lot of labels that was interested in me and Flex as a duo, once I informed them that I was going to be moving forward on my own, they didn't want nothing to do with me. And that's just the bottom line, because they were afraid of Flex. Like, they thought that Flex was, like, I was his rapper, not knowing that I brought Flex into this shit. Mm. I pulled him in. I put him down with Chuck. Like I put him down as 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 my DJ in this group. You know what I'm saying? So labels was afraid of me because profile was really not the label that I wanted to be with. 
but we shot the demo and we got the deal and I saw that the pressure was on and then the What You Want song, I didn't even like that beat when I heard it. <laughs> because I wanted Red Rum to be my first record. I was like, oh, Red Rum, Red. But my man, Rob Lewis, he produced it and, and I recorded it and it was like, what you want, nigga? Fat Beats, for what you, what you want, nigga? He was like, yo, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> He was like, this record could go, but it's not going to work with what you want, nigga. I was like, well, I can't say what you want, nine, because my name's nine double. Let me say, let's just change it right now to nine. And that's how that happened. Mm. Because of the hook on what you want, it made me drop the double M and just become nine, because back then we were so specific. So I was like, I can't say what you want, nine double M. It sounds stupid. He was like, just say nine then. Mm. I was like, then I gotta change my name. He's like, then just fucking change it. Like, you know, <laughs> let's do it. Like, he knew this record was gonna be it. I kind of knew it too. So, oh, you know, wow. we recorded that record after we already had the deal. Oh wow! And I walked, I walked in the office and I performed it in the, in the office in front of the executives with just the beat playing. The next week, we was in the Jeep, riding up. Broadway filming the video because they knew everyone knew it was a, it it was it was you know the way I sounded it was original they knew that was the one you know and that record saved my life and in fact I'm gonna share something with y'all I keep this album in my house this is I don't know if y'all can see it yeah Otis sitting on the dock of the bay Otis Redding this is the sample that we use to make what you want. And this record changed my life. So I keep, I don't keep what you want around, but I keep this original sitting on my, Can you see my little night? shelf over here as in inspiration for, you know, for that's, what that's that record we record did the show. Me. We have Otis Redding right there too. Yeah, see that, that record right there changed. Yeah, that's some shit. That record changed my life. That record that he made back then, it changed my whole shit overnight. Cause I had been trying to get on in the hip hop game for over 10 years before what you want. People don't know that. Like I had been going through it, trying to get on, trying to find myself. I went to jail, my voice changed. It got deeper. I started to learn how to use it and stuff. So all of this shit happened because of that record. So I always keep just Otis ready. I'm so grateful that that, that happened. You know what I mean? That's amazing. And it's a great song and we appreciate you sharing the history. I'm really interested in if you could go back a little bit like <clears throat> how and when your voice changed your voice is so distinctive as you discussed up top like did, did something right. happen like how does one become grimy well i had got locked up in um orange county in upstate new york i went to a, a prison orange county state penitentiary on a drug charge attempt a lot, lot of bullshit right so when i was in there you know, dudes is rapping and shit, you know, everybody's like, yo, yo, yo. So I was rapping. And then I used to sing this Jamaican song called Operation Radication. I don't know if y'all know. The Operation Radication. Them have run. Them have run when radication come. And I used to sing that all the time. And this dude that was locked up, old Jamaican dude, I'll never see him again. I owe him everything, though. He came up to me and he said, why you don't do that when you do your Yankee thing? I said, what you talking about? 
He said, when you do the Operation song, you'd be like, Operation, ready your voice. <laughs> he said, then when you rap your Yankee thing, you'd be like, oh, yes, yes, y'all. He said, yo, why don't you use that? And then he walked away. I never seen him fucking again. I never spoke to him again. But I went home four months later, and I went to the studio with the legendary DJ Jazzy J from Zulu Nation. Flex had booked a session with him. He had a studio on Allerton Avenue in the Bronx. And I did a song called Real Street Nigga. And I was like, I'm a real street nigga from the Bronx. And that's where the voice and the, the whole thing was born. Like, I knew I had something that was different. Because when I came up, you had to be different. You couldn't sound like somebody else. If you sound like somebody else, they, as soon as you walk in with your demo, they'd be like, yo, bye. You sound <laughs> like Rock. You sound like Dougie Fresh. You sound like whoever. It don't matter who. You sound like De La Soul. It didn't matter. Nobody wanted no duplicates. You had to come out here and establish your own style and your own thing. When people, you know, when Flex heard it, we did that song. Two weeks later, he had this instrumental called Six Million Ways to Die. It was supposed to just be an instrumental record. He called me one night. He was at D&D and Flex was like, yo, the way you sound now, you need to come down here and drop some verses. We're going to do this little record. So I walked in there and I just did. It was me and Tragedy. The Intelligent Hoodlum is on the original version. There was some label problems with him, which is why they took him off. And then they asked me to do a third verse. Like out of nowhere, my first time in the studio with that style and bang, we had, you know, so it was supposed to be me and Flex as a group. But like I said, you know, personality wise and, and different things, me and Flex is really like totally opposite types of people. You know, I came up with him a lot more than people know, like, from the mm. beginning, I snatched him up and put him in his, in his, you know, we we hung out every day together, but we were both going in different directions. I was a real street dude. And Flex was, as you can see, a very smart businessman type of guy. And I was a street dude getting arrested and all kind of crazy shit. Mm. So we just drifted apart as people. Mm. So when, when people ask what happened, it's like we drifted apart as people. And then, you know, we got a lot of history. So... You know, yeah. it'd be people close to you that don't really want to see you win. They definitely don't want to see you be bigger than them. So it was a competition thing, mm. you know, which why I didn't get a lot of support from him. People always say, how could that be your friend? He ain't really helped you. I'm like, well, he ain't really my friend. Mm. You know, it's somebody I came up with in this business. And a lot of people need to understand that, when, especially even you guys, what you're doing. You have to understand that everybody that stand next to you they cool as long as you're standing next to them. Mm. When you get in front of them and they can't talk to you crazy no more, that's when you find out who people who just want to see you win. Like, I just want to see you win because, you know, I'm going I'm to go do my own thing. But some people don't have that type of confidence. They feel like, you know, in order for them to be bigger, they have to be above you because you started with them. So it's really convoluted. Mm. This industry showed me a lot. Like, I've been in this shit my whole life, so I could tell you stories about so many people and so many situations that you wouldn't even believe. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, we appreciate appreciate the advice. I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask, like, you you had you had such a, a big hit, nineteen ninety five is killing it. It's a staple of of mixed radio, but then yeah. rap kind of rap kind of changes. Um, in the next couple years after that, like, can yeah. you talk a little? Can you talk a little bit about you know? I look at your single as like 
really one of the last grimy hits. Like after yeah, that, it was like as a real player thing was after that. Can you talk a little a bit about question. the shift? That's a real good question, brother. You don't even understand how good of a question that is, man. Because I was hard-headed. I saw the change. I saw Versace shades watching you. I'm clocking you. I saw it happening. <laughs> and I decided to be a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and I went in that label and I told him, fuck y'all. I'm doing this cloud nine shit, uncivilized, make a take, Lion King, nigga, what, what? It was like, yo. <laughs> you know what the funny shit is? There was no single for cloud nine. I did Lion King at the last minute because they was like, we don't have a single. They didn't believe in make a take. They was like, yo, this thing is bugging. Don't you hear what's going on out here? Why are you going against like, and, you, and I wasn't even just sounding different than these guys. I was actually going against the shit they were doing. I was calling them liars. I was saying, you got to make something or you got, they, they wasn't feeling me. So that's a funny, you know, situation because what's really crazy about it is Cloud Nine is the album that really saved my life. That's the album I sell overseas. That's the album that kept me relevant. That's the album that kept people respecting me as an artist. So that's why I did it because I wasn't happy with the reviews and the things I was hearing about nine lives like they was like it's cookie cutter it's like i had to do that i had to do the what you want so i had to do the nemcs i had to do that in order to even get on mm. so i was really frustrated and i allowed it was my first shot out there so i allowed media and reviews to get to me so i went in when i did cloud nine i was just you know you can hear it it's like a total opposite of nine lives, which was, was was really stupid on my part. Like I didn't catch that wave, and I could have rocked, rocked with Eric. So I could have rocked with these guys and got on the singles. And I just, you know, I come from a different place where it's like, just because we both do this, I'm not friends with you. Like, which is why you see me basically ostracized from the industry. Really, you don't see me with. Like, I got a few friends, a few people I've collaborated with, but you don't really see me, you know, I'm not part of the fraternity, I like to call it. Mm -hmm. You know, you know I haven't been featured on people's records. People didn't call me to be on there because I ain't friends with you. Like, it's like, <laughs> you're a doctor and I'm a doctor. That don't mean we gonna hang out, motherfucker. We just both got, we both got, you know what I mean? I'm not fucking with you. I'm trying to tear your head off. Like, I'm not even trying to go in the studio with you and make a record and fake it. Like, yo, your rhyme was hot. I'm trying to kill you. <laughs> that's um, where I come from though that's that's where I come from but that was the younger me not really understanding the business and shit like but I, I don't regret nothing right on man you know uh, well you know speaking of uh, the younger you you mentioned um, your first record I think it was 1985 Ricochet and Centipede yes. um, let the people know a little bit about that I mean that was your first record how was making a record in 1985 and what do you think right. about what comes to mind when you think about the record now I was so young and like, I didn't know how to count bars or anything. And I tell this story, I told it on BET, DLB from the Fearless Four. My man Pumpkin took me to his house when I was like 14, 15 years old. And he taught me how to count bars and what the hook was. And I sat in his apartment while, and I was stunned because I'm sitting here with DLB from Phyllis Four, you know, problems of the world, problems. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm a little kid, but they saw something in me with my pen. 
And they were like, yo, just teach him how to do this, that, this, that. So when we went in and made the record, the Ricochet Centipede records, you know what I mean? We were learning from those guys. We were mm. still kids, but just the fact that I had the opportunity to record a song, I thought I was special because like I was only 15, 16 years old. Like before being a young rapper was cool. You know what <laughs> I mean? I was in high school making little rap records and walking through the school with the shirt on, with my name on it, just walking through the hall. And that was like the Grammys for us. You feel me? Like there wasn't no hoopla for this shit, but in the neighborhood, they was like, yo, and then my shit played on the radio. It was like, oh my God, I'm a king. So, you know, it's all about perception because it feels the same. It didn't feel any different to me when what you want was a hit record. It felt the same way as walking through my high school hallway because it's all about perception. You know, you could be Drake, or you could be the little guy, but it's how it makes you feel. That's all that matters. If it makes you feel like a star, makes you feel like you accomplished something, that's what it's all about. That's what life is about. And it took me a long long time to realize that. But, you know, of course, we all want big success in front of everybody, but it's about how you feel. Absolutely. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about your collaborations with Rob Lewis? Like, I don't know if his name really rings out um, as much as some other producers of the time, but he's got a great sound, a really warm, like, boom bap sound. I listened to so much of your music today, and the ones I kept coming back to, I was like, oh, who produced this? Well, see, me and Rob, me and Rob, Rob Lewis, it's a funny thing, it's a Jewish white guy. You know what I mean? And he produced... uh, how I met him was, you know, familiar with the Chuck Chill Out Cool Chip album. He produced Rhythm is the Master, I'm Large. Mm. So he was coming to the studio. It was me, him, Salam Remy. When Salam Remy was a kid, he was in the studio. We was all in there. And I saw something in this guy. And, it, and the reason I, 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 I approached him was they did a song with the James Bond sample, the 007 sample. And the guy came downstairs and said, you can't clear this. There's no way we're going to clear this. And Rob Lewis got up, went to his car, came back with a guitar and sat down and went bang, 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 and played it. And I went, oh, this is the guy I need to talk to. So I exchanged numbers with him and me, Flex, and the other member of Deuces Wild. We started working with him on, you know, on the side. Then when the group fell apart, Rob Lewis was like, yo, we've been working together for a couple of years. And, you know, I know you got it. And this is before I even developed vocally and everything. Me and him worked together for three to four years before we came, before we figured it out. When I changed and he changed and we both figured it out, we exploded. And then, you know, we did Cloud Nine. He had a degree in orchestra music. Like he went to school for this shit. So that's why you hear all the violins and all like we were trying to develop ourselves in the sound. But then Profile Records was just like the worst place to be. Mm. Mm. especially being a real artist and trying to do something different. Like what I was trying to do with cloud nine, they didn't support us. And then the label fell apart and, you know, that was it. And then Rob, you know, he was, he's some, some people aren't built for this. You're not built, you built for success, but you're not built to take an L after you get success. You Mm. have to be able to quote unquote fall off in the public eye and still have your passion, still believe in yourself. And he mm. wasn't a guy who had the passion to continue to believe in himself. And that was the end of our relationship. Mm. 
But we did some great shit together, but it wasn't overnight. We worked together three to four years, you know. I was always at his house. He was always pulling up beats. And then when he had the What You Want beat, he called me. I'll never forget how excited he was. He was like, yo, I got it. And we already had the record deal. We already had the record deal. He was like, yo, get in the cab and come to my house right now. I was like, what are you talking about? It's 11 o'clock at night. I got to go to work tomorrow. He was like, yo, I got it. I was like, play it over the phone. He was like, no. He said, you have to come here. And when I went to his house, he boom, 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 boom. That shit came off, man. I was like, oh. I didn't really like it because it wasn't hardcore, but I knew it was the one. I had goosebumps on my arms when I heard this. I was like, yo, I never heard no shit. He said, yo, take it home right now and start writing. Come up with something. And I went home that night, and I mean, I remember I didn't even go to work the next day because I was up all night. <laughs> you know, and as soon as I heard it, it was like, I get fucked if I do, get fucked if I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I will. And, <laughs> and that's when he called. He was like, yo, this is hot, but what's wrong with you? Why are you fucked if you, you can't curse? No cursing. So I was like, all right, I get banned if I do get pizza. There you go. There you go. And next Good. thing you know, you know, when I did the record, I knew it was it, though. We yeah. knew. We knew it was it. We was like, ain't nothing like this in the world. Like, that studio session with that beat playing in them speakers in D&D studios. Mm. I remember Big was in the hallway and shit, and he banged on the door. He never really fucked with nobody. And he was like, yo, you got one? You got one, son? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is Biggie. And, you know, Biggie's the type of dude that made you. I threw rhyme books away after hearing Biggie rap. <laughs> I used to right. throw shit away. Like, I got to start all over again. Like, this, you know, he was that dude. So when, when he said that, I was like, yeah, this is that shit, <laughs> you know? Man, I... Yeah, thanks so much for peeling back the curtain on 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 those moments. Um, what 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 are you into now? Like, what what rappers do you check for it or do you? Is there anybody that like moves course, you now? I'm, I'm hip hop forever, man, till I die. You know, I'm hip hop. I put out an album in 2018 called King, produced by the Snow Goons. I know if people mess with me, they listen to that. They heard that. Amazing album. We understand what hip hop is now. We try to give the fans, you know, that love that sound something to feed off of, you know. But I've moved on. I got a lot of shit getting ready to come out. But as okay. far as who I listen to now, like everybody who's dope, anybody who's dope. But it's my job to listen to everything. Mm. And and to me, with the younger generation, it's not even a point of. I don't like what they're doing or I don't like, like I'm not one of those guys. Okay. Because I remember okay. in the nineties talking to Melly Mel and Kumo D and them telling me how much they fucking hated NWA and fucking Nas and B and J. They didn't <laughs> like none of that shit because it was like, yo, hip hop used to be about fun. Now you selling drugs. Like the, the biggest blow to me was when Melly Mel told me he couldn't, he didn't like Mob Deep. <laughs> oh man. And I mean, I know Mel, I'm not trying to throw nobody under the bus, but this was a time he probably won't even remember this. But I was like, the shit came on in the club, I don't know, and I'm sweating Mel. So I'm looking at him like, yo, it's Melly Mel. 
<laughs> and he recognized me because I got a hit record. So he's like, hey, no, nah, what's up? I'm like, oh, shit. Melly Mel knows who I am. You know what I'm saying? These are my heroes. So, and then when the record came on, we all started wilding out. And he was like, man, this is negative. We used to rap about parties. And I was like, okay, old man. <laughs> <laughs> And that's yeah. exactly that's exactly yeah. how these kids look at you now. They look at you like, yep. okay, old man. Yeah. Now I believe social engineering has a lot to do with the content. The content is what I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with the way they sound, the way they've moved on, because it's their time. Music changes. It's the difference between the temptations and the fucking Ohio players. Yay. Music right. moves on. Your right. shit will not be here forever. That sound that you used to do, that rhythm, that flow, that shit is not going to be here forever. It's out of here. It's happened in every genre of music. Get over it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I think we don't... No, I'm saying but... people who have those attitudes towards it, they have, you know, I don't, like, oh, that's not real hip-hop. We lost hip-hop a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> Don't try, don't act like everything in the 90s was hot. There was a lot of bullshit in the 90s. There was like, there was a lot of bullshit. Like, I hate it. Let's get jiggy with it. I'm gonna be honest. Let's get jiggy with it. I hated that shit. (laughs) That shit was as corny as these niggas are today to me, what Will Smith did. And I like Will Smith, but that record, I hated that record. I was like, yo, this is some bullshit. I hated Sugar Hill Gang. I hated that fucking that record, <laughs> Rapper's Delight. I hated that shit. To this day, I hate that record. Wow. Okay. So there was there was always yeah, that shit was bullshit. And I know the story. Big Bang Hank, rest in peace. That rap wasn't his. He got it from Grandmaster Kaz. He was a bodyguard. The whole shit was bullshit. And three dudes <laughs> was bullshit. Wonder Mike. Fucking, what's the other nigga? Master G. Them niggas was garbage. <laughs> Curtis Blow was trash. Let's keep it going. Curtis Blow was trash. So we're not going to sit here and act like everything we did from that time period was great. And when they talk about how these kids are materialistic, the first rhyme I heard was, I got a Cadillac. I got a yeah. DeVille. I got a yeah. body man. I got bitches on the side. I got love divisions. I got money. I'm rich. I, that's the first shit I ever heard. So, and the way the yeah. niggas used to dress. <laughs> pull up a Furious Five poster right now. Niggas got a <laughs> yellow bikini shorts and shit. Like, <laughs> everything that we complain about that these kids are doing, we did it. So we just these niggas is just mad because you know they don't know their history, but how much of us really know our history? How many people mm. real I heard you listen, this is the wildest shit I'm gonna tell y'all, and you're gonna bug the fuck out. I was at a studio and this dude played, he was playing some James Brown joints, and this dude in the studio said, Oh yo, he got that beat from Rock Kim, Eric B and Rock. <laughs> He said James Brown got that beat. <laughs> yo, I said, yo, I'm out. He said, yo, what happened? I said, I got to leave or I'm going to drop kick your man. I said, I'm going to kick him right in his fucking head. I can't even be in the room with him no more. 
he said that shit. He said that James oh, got that beat from Eric B and Rock Kim. I looked at this nigga, and this is like 2005, four. I, I looked at this nigga. I said, yo, he didn't just say that. <laughs> so we expect these kids to know their history. Like when they asked Kodak Black who Biggie Smalls is, he don't fucking know. <laughs> That shit was 20-something years ago. This nigga was a sperm cell lad. You don't fucking know. Right? So, and why are we oh, mad at him for not knowing? We expect him to do the right. research. We didn't do the research. We just listened right. to the records. Mm. So it's like, I'm trying to, and it's more important to me than just musical separation. You know, especially as a black man. These young black men are our soldiers. They're being misguided. We have to talk to them. We have to reach out to them. We have to say to them the things that we need to tell them without criticizing them and becoming mm. enemies with our younger generation. Like I've seen that happen through the church when I was growing up. Like, because I'm 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 uh, what you would call BHH before hip hop. Like you have BC before <laughs> Christ. I'm BHH before hip hop. So I see the sep. I remember the separation. Like my uncles and them, when I was playing hip hop music, they was looking at me like I was fucking crazy. They was like, "What is this shit? You right. guys aren't singing. You guys have no melody. This is noise." And I'm looking at them like, "You motherfuckers is crazy. This is the <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest shit since the egg, right? <laughs> hip hop." This is everything, my whole life. And they was like, that's noise. You need to listen to some The Onlyest Monk or whatever the fuck they were listening to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when, when, oh, you understand, when, you, when you understand that, then you start to move forward and start to say, how can we bridge this? Because, you know, ageism has to stop. But I'm going to prove that. I need you guys to go download the King album. Produced okay. by Snow Goons. I got okay. a song with Chuck Chillout coming out. Me and Chuck Chillout went. Is that right? Years. Yeah, we was like, we're going to do some Eric B and Rock Kim shit because it's all about projects right now. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I got a yep. song with Planet Asia, Pace One, and myself produced by Configure that's okay. going to be on, on my Configure project. But the song with Planet Asia and it's fucking bananas. Like, that okay. dude is real dangerous and he yeah, pushed he me to a different. He pushed me to a different place. So, I mean, I've been, I got a song with Il Scratch. I mean, um, Al Scratch. Just some random shit, but I got a mixtape I'm getting ready to drop. And I've been doing my thing. Like, people don't okay. see it. A lot of okay. people act like, you know, if you don't see it, it ain't happening. No, it's happening. I'm selling merch. I'm doing my, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Well, I had a job man. since 1993. That's, that's <laughs> what's up, man. Hey, Nine, we really appreciate you coming on the program. We're going to keep an eye out for the new joints, man. Uh, just thank you for all the stories and everything you shared with us today, man. Really yes, appreciate sir, it. Man. I love doing it with real hip-hop guys, man. I appreciate y'all. There you. it is, you. man. You be well, brother. Thank you. All man. right. Peace, everyone.
Dad Bod Rap Pod. That was our incredibly lively conversation with Nine. Nate, uh, you are a man given to doing impressions from time to time. Your lyrics born impression <laughs> is renowned in this space. Uh, we tried our hand at some Nine uh, impressions in, in the lead up. How did that go? So the day we interviewed Nine, which was actually last week, we, I had been listening to his music all day. I listened to both studio albums from the 90s. I listened to his stuff from the early 80s. I'd just been listening to Nine like so long. And so we were kind of trying to imitate him. And I was like, oh man, my Nine impression sounds like Jaw Rule. And then Damone was like, oh, my Nine impression sounds like DMX. And then Nine comes on and without even, we, like, we didn't even like, hey, no I'm Dave, this is Dave. Okay, we're recording now. Like, he just came on and he was like, Ja Rule DMX and bit my whole shit. It was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, we just did not have our bearings in the, in the conversation the whole time because he just like came out so hot. Zero to a hundred. Yeah. He came out like, with the hotness. That nine millimeter oh, went bang. <laughs> off top man that was that was with nine but the interview was in 11 <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure yeah it, it it was a it was a really a really fun interview um and you know just always the the older vets that we interview that are the most interesting and i think you've said this before nate are the ones that have a, a good sense of who they are Right. Um, in the game. And even Nine's whole diatribe about who stole his stuff did not come across as being super bitter. He was just like, hey, people ask me this question all the time and I'm going, I'm about to set it straight for you. And I do, I really feel like it checks out in the sense of uh, if you look at when Nine came along, how big right. uh, his joint was uh, and who came after that. Yeah. For, yeah, for I sure. mean, when he was talking about his vocal register and everything, it's like, yeah, he, did, he didn't sound salty. He sounded just accurate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just wanted to let people know. And if you look at the chronology of sort of, you know, different types of voices, he, he's the prototype for that. Unless there was somebody from fucking 83 that sounded like DMX, you know? <laughs> yeah, but please, and I'm sure that our, our dad by the uh, Rap Pod audience will let us know uh, if there is a precursor to that. But definitely uh, great stories, great insight for Nine. We appreciate him uh, sharing his time. And, you know, I also want to, Second, the, um, you know, he's still around. He mentioned having projects with Planet Asia, you know, coming out the pipe. So I think a lot of times um, a lot of our contemporaries can go down the rabbit hole of, oh, everything sucks now and nobody's doing anything. And I'm like, dude, you're not even supporting the rappers that you claim to care about in the 90s. Like, okay, fine. Don't get, don't buy a dub baby. But like nine still has records out. Totally. So uh so we we uh we thank him for coming on, sharing his time with us. Um and yeah, I hope he doesn't go into podcasting because he would destroy. <laughs> destroy us. Yeah, he's so entertaining. It was just so fun to talk to him. I'm I'm yeah. like still thinking about it. It was like that totally. yeah, it's just so weird. The 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 couple of different types of interviews we've noticed. Um boisterous is often bad for us. We have like kind of a nuanced approach, as I often like to say. And, but in, in this case, I thought it worked well because totally, totally for the questions and like, right. just really gave it his all though. He performed mm -hmm. the interview in a way totally. that was really, really cool. His, his name up in lights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's, that's for real. So, um, you know, and that's what you've come to expect here 
on the dad bod rap pod shout out to uh all the folks on our timeline i think on our twitter timeline specifically i think nate didn't somebody uh tweet at us that we need to get nine on without knowing that we had nine in the chamber sorry yeah it was, um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's wrong uh, it was uh yeah i can't remember who it was but person who dm'd me us saying we should get nine on like six months ago you were right yeah yeah i don't know maybe maybe they know him they're like hey he just left the bodega you need to uh you need to interview this guy uh so our and that's and that's the type of prescient advice we get from our twitter timeline at dad bod rap pod on twitter typically on the weekends i will post a question of the week um, and read off some of the responses right here on Dad Bod Rap Pod. The question of the week, hearkening back to our intro segment, was I asked folks to share their feelings on the new uh, Benny the Butcher project, The Plugs I Met 2. Um, so I'll share a couple of those uh, responses here. Um, so, you know, I'm very, when you talk about nuance, Nate, I feel like our timeline is reasonably nuanced. We haven't got to the to the very salty acrimonious state yet, but it's just a matter of time. It's just a oh, numbers game. I, I just, yeah. I, I <laughs> meticulously track our numbers. I, I DM you guys a screenshot every time we get mm-hmm. to a round number. I care deeply more than I want to admit about our follower counts and things like that because they're tangible evidence of the growth of the yep. show and the audience and the community. It matters. However, Absolutely. there's going to be a point and it's going to come soon when we have too many followers and everyone yeah. is like uh, a contrarian dickhead. So, you know, and we should enjoy this time while we have it. We, we, we yeah. Tend we are... to curate a, a, a more thoughtful, nicer conversation. And we don't really interact with people who are just out for blood. And that can mm-hmm. really make Twitter unfun. But so far, we met some really cool people and we have some great Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like our timeline is, is quite, uh, there's a decorum there. Um, also, I'll block you. Right. So, you know, just keep that in mind. The, the decorum, what do they say? Like, uh, uh, good fences make good neighbors. <laughs> That's like, right. Uh, uh, a band hammer uh, makes for yeah. good conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, shout out to Nate's neighbor. Um, so, <laughs> so want to kick it off. Again, the question was, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the plugs I met too? Uh, this tweet is from... Julie at Julian Brimmer's uh, MF Brim. Harry fraud is still underrated as fuck and channeling reasonable doubt has never failed. Um, I think reasonable drought was kind of a failure to, to rechannel that, but uh, I do agree. I like, I like Harry fraud a lot. Um, as I mentioned at the top, um, Pete Sasquatch, Sasquax beat cult at S-A-S-Q-W-A-X. I want to comment, but it requires a re-listen, and I have no space for anything that isn't Ray Ghost related today. It, that that is totally acceptable. I, I, I totally get that. Um, let's go to the obligatory Sun Ra tweet because because I, I I just enjoy them. <laughs> it's quality tweeting. I don't care if it looks like favoritism. Um, Sun Ra at Sun Ra. I like it better than Burden of Proof. It feels less like he's trying to make a Jay-Z album and more like his own thing. I'm like, all right, all right. Very reasoned response. Uh, last tweet we'll share here is from Lewisidal at Lewisidal. Uh, 
has a few standout tracks, the one with name omitted and the one with two chains. Plug talk beat is crazy, but there is also some filler tracks, which isn't good for a nine track album. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. And as we stated on this program, I have a notoriously low bar for a decent project. So, uh, <laughs> so maybe, maybe Benny was shooting four for nine, which is not bad from three. That's a, that's a, a decent percentage, but uh, de- depends on your rubric there. We appreciate everybody who chimed in on Twitter at dad bod rap pod. Uh, we'll be posting another question this weekend or hmm, I'll connect with the bros. I'm actually going on like vacation vacation this weekend um so i i may be doing psychedelics and unable to get to the phone to do this we'll see or i may tweet a question of the week that's more celestial we'll see uh, if i ask you what your energy is made of then nate kind of edit and then uh and then come back i'll be like oh so, you finally got demone to listen to those new killer priest records <laughs> i've got them all in a knapsack I'm, I'm ready to go um so yeah so definitely you know stay stay locked on our our twitter feed we are also on instagram at dad bod rap pod and as you know we drop new episodes every thursday but wait there's more we have another way for you to connect with us and that is through a new app called stereo nate tell the people in the listening audience who have not yet downloaded stereo what is stereo Stereo is a platform where people can connect with other people and talk to them and host uh, structured rooms. And for us, it has been um, a place where we can tinker with our avatars. Um, when you when you make your uh, account, the first thing you do is put together an avatar it's been interesting to see who chooses to make theirs kind of realistic and who kind of goes in the opposite direction and just goes wild with their stuff um and then when you look at the phone when you're in the stereo rooms it's like the person's whose avatar is talking is actually talking Takes the, mouth, the lips to. moved yeah yes, the lips but, moved um, yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's been a cool way for us to branch out um it's kind of similar to the energy we used to bring to our um, live shows on another app um, that we Not, were doing that we over, won't mention. over the summer, um, which were a lot of fun for a while and a different, it just, it's just different. Like doing, doing the show and recording it and editing it and putting in the music is one thing and kind of doing like a more performative discussion at a different time in a different format with hopefully people who haven't heard of us yet. It has been, it's a, it always brings an interesting wrinkle um, to how we approach what we talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting as as a you know semi pro talking people. Uh, Stereo has been a great opportunity for us to kind of like hone our act and uh, you know connect with some new folks. Hopefully, hopefully we're we're building audience through it, um, and we're we're happy to do this promo run with Stereo. So for the next couple of weeks, we will be doing a Stereo session seven thirty p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, you can hear two of the three of us and uh, our avatars having a little convo. You can chime in too. There's a, a feature that allows you to send uh, one minute audio clips to us like live during the conversation, which I think is a really cool feature. So download stereo, check us out Monday nights, 7.30 PM PST. As always, at least for the last three years anyway, and even through a global pandemic, 
we have dropped an episode every week um, and we will continue to do so. I know we're um, wrapping, but I was thinking about those couple of weeks when I basically did the show by myself uh, because you were like starting your new job and everything oh, that's was right. crazy. Dave didn't know what the fuck was going on with his day <laughs> job. I remember interviewing Jay Live and mm, 38 Spanish right. and ST Knack and maybe one other person by myself and like kind of doing the the whole shebang and I was like you know we've come a long way in this year like it's been it's been such a weird Man. year and Man. I certainly didn't mind doing it it's just it just reminded me that while this year has felt incredibly short because of the compressed time schedule of the Groundhog Day vibe it's also that was also a long time ago like a I long time last it. March you know yeah. what I mean right yeah anyway oh. Yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate you holding it down. It reminds me of those two weeks when everybody on the Knicks was hurt and they just gave Jeremy Lin the green light. <laughs> Remember when he was putting up like 40 a game? How could I forget? Remember that? Of course. Yeah, of course. that was uh, the Lin sanity. The so we, we live. Jeremy Lin. That's right. It's, uh, pride of uh, Palo Alto. So uh, that was uh, Nate Sanity was uh, <laughs> was holding it down for us and we appreciate it. And, and you know, we survived. We've, uh, you know, we're... We're steadily getting injections and moving towards uh, some semblance of normalcy. But regardless, um, come nuclear holocaust or what may, every Thursday, you will get a new podcast from us, the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Don't be hard.